Living Wisely, Living Well, March 29. Don't try to impress others with your cleverness. Win them rather by your sincerity. Wow, that's very interesting. Um, Let's see. Don't try to impress others with your cleverness. Swamiji put it to me once. He wasn't talking exactly in this way, but it was related to it. He said, truth has enough power on its own. He said, it's not depending on you to prove it. And that he was talking more about being too forceful and too insistent and having, having more faith, having more faith in the divine to bring the truth out of a situation and having more faith in my, faith in my friends to recognize it when they see it. And both of those were very helpful lessons and they're related to this. Um, what, what Swami is also saying here when he says, impress with your sincerity rather than your cleverness, put your faith in the right place. You know, put your faith in the right value. Um, the, the entire premise of this whole book, and there's absolutely no way to avoid it, it's just the truth, is that we, we perceive ourselves to be part of a greater reality. One of the enormous difficulties, the, the, the fundamental core issues that is making our society so difficult to rely upon and so fractious in the way it's relating and just putting us on the brink of God knows what. This is being recorded in 2020, so it will probably endure for at least a few years. And so when you're watching it, I don't know what the condition of the world will be. But certainly the year 2020 is notable. One of the many humorous things I've heard said, this is um, September 1st of 2020, and the pandemic that has defined this year began, well, began at the beginning of the year, but it really hit where I live in March. And they said, science has already proved that 2020 is the longest year in human history. (laughs) And sitting here, yes, it is the longest year in human history. I hope it's going to be the worst, and I hope there's not worse coming, but we don't really know. But what a, a great deal of why people are suffering and why people are so at a loss right now is because we've lost our connection to anything greater than our own egoic selves. And we're we're just all the time trying to rely on our own cleverness. And the problem with our own cleverness is it's insufficient. And sincerity is a much more powerful value that I'm authentic and sincere, but it's especially powerful if it's connected to a sense of ourself as being part of a greater reality. I am not alone in this world trying to make this world happen according to my likes and dislikes. I am connected to a cosmic force, and let's just say it more directly, I am a child of God. You know, I have a divine mother. I'm here on a divine assignment. My consciousness is my responsibility. And if I keep my consciousness as best I am able, focused on the values that matter to me, and if I have the courage to authentically and sincerely present them, then that's who I should be. Not being smart and shrewd and showing off and having clever words and tricking people and you know just all the things that people are doing these days. Giving the impression that I really know what I'm doing and that's just awful. The power is in sincerity. In The power is in sincerity. I had a, an interesting experience with this. This was way back in 1989. Um, I came to live in the Silicon Valley area in 1987. And for a brief period of time, and it would have been then in 1989, I, um, 
I thought that one way that I might be able to sort of share Master's teachings and also make income, which I wasn't exactly, we weren't exactly hurting for money, but no harm. We were trying to support a work, trying to get a temple, get a community, so it was nice to have more income. So I had a very brief career as a corporate trainer. It lasted, well, I want to say it lasted a nanosecond, but it lasted slightly longer than that. The reason it ended up being so short is, well, the story I'm about to tell, but my my sincere expression of truth in life includes the word God. It just, I can, I can say we are part of a greater reality. There's an infinite consciousness. There's spirit. There's cosmic energy. But God is the word. And I'm open and very happy to be a devotee. It's just who I am and who I mean to be. I heard Oprah Winfrey once. I'm, I, I don't follow her, but I respect her a great deal. Meaning I'm not, I don't pay attention to everything she does, but something came to me. And, and she was dealing with the word God. And I loved, she was just so frank. You know, and she sort of danced around it and basically in her way said, you can dance around it all you want, but you know what I mean. I mean, God. She said it just like that. I said, good for you, girl. <laughs> you know, just put it out there like it is. So, but when you go into a corporate setting, because it's, it, I think it's even the law, what to speak of it being corporate custom in America, because you have to be so careful not to discriminate, you really can't do anything that sounds at all like religion. And Unfortunately, what that's come to mean in America is that since atheism is considered to be a religion in terms of how culture and and even law regards it, that means you can't talk about God. Because if you talk about God, now you're offending the beliefs of the atheists. And um, this is a whole other subject. But if we trace back pretty much every awfulness that we're dealing with as a society now, it comes back to atheism. Because if there is no reality except me and what I want, then all clear understanding of life disintegrates. And all we, ha- all we are left with is this de- desperate desire to, to grab for ourselves. And um, the good news about that, as Swami put it, is We are making experience, not dogma, the basis of our values. But the bad news is there's a lot of chaos as we move toward that. And that's where we are right now. So coming back to my career as a corporate trainer, I was a corporate trainer over over October 1989, in which there was an earthquake in the San Francisco Bay Area. It it started at the beach, since the Santa Cruz beach, and the, the energy under the earth, came up through the peninsula where I live. It, divi- it Interestingly, it divided around the city where I live. Whatever the, the, the underground is, it didn't actually crack hardly anything in Mountain View and Palo Alto where I live. And then it, it reconnected and went up to San Francisco and had a very deleterious effect on places in San Francisco. There was a lot of places in San Francisco that were basically landfill. And when the it started to shake. There was no bedrock. So there was a lot of trouble. And one of the things that happened is a portion of the Bay Bridge fell. The bridge that goes across the San Francisco Bay from the city of San Francisco over to Berkeley, Richmond area. And a section of it smashed down. The top section fell on the bottom section. And a number of people were killed. It was, it was awful. And 
it went on the news internationally, gave the impression that the whole Bay Area was devastated, which it wasn't, but that was ghastly. And so the company that I was working for had uh, the wife of an employee was killed on that bridge. I mean, you know, just think of the timing. You have to be there exactly. Two different friends of mine were crossed that bridge just minutes prior to when it collapsed. In, you know, in, in, but, but they weren't there. But this woman was there, and so she died. Now, from an atheistic point of view, there's, you have nothing to say. You have no karma. You have no higher destiny. You have no life after death. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare. One of my friends, I'm going to address the subject of atheism here because I've pushed some energy on it. A friend of mine who is a mathematician began to study mathematics in college and became utterly enamored with mathematics. And he became part of our temple and I was having a personal conversation with him and he said he had always been an atheist in his life. He might have said agnostic, but I believe he said atheist. Until he got really deeply into math and began to see how exquisitely mathematics worked and how beautifully the universal reality related to mathematics. And he also began to understand that if a mathematical equation is not elegant and beautiful, if the answer to an equation is not elegant and beautiful, you haven't yet found the right answer. And then it occurred to him that if life just ends in nothing and has no meaning, that can't possibly be the answer to the question because it's not elegant and beautiful. And if a mathematical equation has to be elegant and beautiful to be true, how much more does life itself have to be? And he, at that point, became a truth seeker, and he ended up with us, you know, embracing the Ananda point of view. So, anyway, going back to this uh, situation, I'm talking to the HR director, who happens to be a friend of mine, which is how I got hired in the first place, And she says, we really need you to come in to give a program because everybody in the company is so shaken up because of this woman dying on the Bay Bridge. And uh, she wasn't an employee, but she was the wife of. And I, I said, okay, of course, I'd love to come in and try to help. But then I was silent for a moment and I said, but I can't come in if I can't talk about God. I have to explicitly, even if I can find another word, I have to explicitly talk about the fact that we have to have a relationship to a reality that is just bigger than you know our own birth and death and our own preferences. There has to be a bigger plan, and I have to talk about it. She says, can't you just tell people to have faith in themselves? I said, well, we can have all the faith in ourselves that we want, and that woman would still be killed on the bridge. You know, just like, tell me, how faith in myself is going to keep me from being killed on the bridge. Why were my friends not killed and why was she killed? You know, you have to be able to stand back and at least imagine that something elegant and beautiful is happening here, even though I don't know what it is. And I'm the first to say, it's not like I was cavalier to her being killed. Um, This is not an easy philosophy. This is not an easy teaching. The law of karma the idea of God's will, the idea that the soul is on a long journey and that each of these incarnations, reincarnation, is just 
a chapter in a book. And some of the chapters are, you know, resolve into beautiful experiences and some of them end in tragedy. But if it's just a chapter in the book, you eagerly turn the page to see how this tragedy is going to weave into the rest of the story. This is a very challenging teaching. You know, in I remember a woman came to our church once and she said, you know, I've been I've been looking for a, a, a spiritual community to join. And she said, and she's been looking in what you might call the new age sector, however you want to phrase that. And she said, and I hear a lot of places, they talk about, you know, overcoming the ego. And then she sort of goes like this, but I get the feeling that you all actually mean it. <laughs> And I thought it was very astute of her because, yeah, in fact, we do. And what that means, and I'm not just talking about some, you know, I'm not just talking about being humble or something like that. Transcending the ego means that I recognize that my true nature is infinite and that my self-definition, I participate in my egoically defined life, which is the infinite spirit identified with the limitations imposed by the physical body. I mean, that's a simple explanation. The limitations imposed by the physical body make death seem like the end of something. It makes ease and comfort seem like the purpose of everything. It makes the idea that I have to take care of myself because who else is going to take care of me seem to make sense. And those are the ideas that we're needing to transcend because from experience we discover what causes happiness and what causes suffering. So I just said to the woman, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It wouldn't be sincere. I could be very clever, but I couldn't be sincere. So these are the challenges we face. Swami says, don't try to impress others with your cleverness. Win them rather by your sincerity. God bless you, my friends.